Ezra, I can't get, there's some way for me to get my camera, do you think? It's, it's stuck someplace. Uh, one second. Okay, you're good to go. Yeah. Here I am. Okay, good evening. The parish is Ba'era. Ba'era is the second parish of the Book of Shemot. And before we get into it, I just want to remind you about this parasha, tell you what I think it's, it's really about. The parasha of Shemot is the parasha of the creation of Moshe Rabbeinu. It was not a simple matter to produce Moshe Rabbeinu. It took a lot of enterprise on the part of heaven, and it took a lot of patience on the part of Moshe Rabbeinu himself. I mean, it's not easy to find out that you are the designated hither for the rest of history. I mean, it's not easy to find out that your obligation is not other than saving the created world from some unknown destruction. But that was Moshe Rabbeinu. That was Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the best of the best, the greatest of the greatest, the profoundest of the profound. And all of that is laid out for us in the parasha of Shemot. And if you do any review of the parasha, look, just remember what I say. Remember that that's what the parasha is about and look for it. Look for the hints of Moshe Rabbeinu's greatness and how that greatness had to be hewned. It had to be made. It had to be cut out like you cut out a stone from a larger stone. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was. Now, if I, if I talk about the parish of this week, of course, we all know, we all know that the parish of Vaira has a lot of bakot in it, a lot of miraculous punishments that were given to the Egyptians. In fact, in fact, that we think about it, the parasha is really about the Egyptians and their major representative, whose name is Paro. I mean, who is called Paro? I don't know what his name actually is. But Paro was the name that they gave to kings. All the kings are called Paro. So that that the story takes a twist, which is hard for me to understand. I would think that Moshe Rabbeinu, he's ready to go. Aaron Cohen is with him, ready to go, translating, saying the words that Moshe Rabbeinu said in, in whatever language, in Egyptian. I don't know if that's because Moshe Rabbeinu forgot Egyptian. I mean, after all, he grew up in Egyptian. Or, or it was just not reasonable for the person who was going to bring the Torah to B'nai Yisrael to speak to Paro in, in Egyptian. And to speak to Paro in Egyptian. I mean, he knew the Egyptian. But that's a problem that we have. Is they're like, who's Moshe Rabbeinu and who's Aaron? 
if Aaron was translating, well, why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu just translate directly? And if translation is the preferred way of communication, you know, like if a man comes, Moshe Rabbeinu, and says, I'm going to speak the words that God told me. So you would think that that, that the people who are listening would have to have sensors that enable them to understand what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. We have to understand that communication of God is not like other kinds of communication, and communication of God in the language of that communication, in the language which was, I guess, was in Hebrew, is, is also not the same. And that Paro probably was just not tuned in. You could not expect Paro to hear and understand Moshe Rabbeinu, so he understood the Egyptian translation. It's like any translation or most translations, if not all translations, there are some exceptions in the world history, but most translations are not quite the original. And it's if you really want to know what the original said, you have to go back to the original and look at it. And so Haro was left out of that. He wasn't able to achieve the, the understanding that was necessary to understand God's words. And, and, and maybe that was the explanation for his hesitation, for the fact that he was not willing, that he was not willing to, to follow the directive of Moshe and Aaron, but more about that later. We're going to take a few psukim, can't take too many, and try to learn them first with Rashi, then the Ramban, and if we have time, we'll look at the Rambam as well. The topic is, interestingly enough, the topic is free will. I mean, did Paro have free will? Was he that kind of person? Or was he in some way trapped in his own in his own relationship with HaKadosh Baruch because after all, HaKadosh Baruch devised the punishment of slavery for B'nai Yisrael. And HaKadosh Baruch needed an assistant, needed somebody who would carry it out, who would do to the Jews what HaKadosh Baruch thought should be done to them. And that assistant was Paro. That assistant was Paro. So when Paro, when Paro was directed by Moshe and Aaron to let the Jews go and refused to do so, so what was Paro doing? Was he acting as the divine partner in punishing the Jews and saying, well, the punishment is not over yet. After all, we know. And HaKadosh Baruch said to Abraham Avinu 400 years, they would be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And in fact, they had only been enslaved for 210 years. So maybe Baparo is like a little computer or a little kind of adding machine. And he's checking it out. How many years have they been here? Where did, when do we start counting? And, and he came to the conclusion that it was Redu, Reish Dalai 210. And not 400. 
So if you imagine, you imagine this kind of conversation that Moshe says to to uh, to Paro, "Hey Paro, we're on our way. All right, just check us out. Check us out of the Paro Hotel. We're not interested in staying. Maybe." Maybe you could say that in Paro and and Paro says, but look, I signed on for 400 years. I'm a 400 year man, uh, a punisher. So, so what happened here? How's Paro supposed to know what he's supposed to do for real? So look at the Pesach. The Pesach says, Shmot Berg Zayin Pesach Aleph. Vayom Hashem HaMoshe. Vayom Hashem HaMoshe. Re'eh, re'eh. He says, behold. I don't know what behold is. I never say that in English. Look, take a look. Netaticha Elokim leparo. You know that that when the names of God switch in the same verse, Vayomer Hashem Yudkei Vavkei, El Moshe Re'eh Netaticha Elokim leparo. Now that word Elokim is, is, is a difficult word. In this context, look, behold, I gave you God to Paro, and Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. Let's look, look at Rashi. Rashi says, Elohim, the word Elohim. One second, one second. One second. You see, you see those words? This is the Rashi here. Shofet v'rodeh l'irdoto b'makot v'yisurim. A shofet, a judge, and uh, someone who, who does the actually executes the punishment to, to punish him with stripes, makot, beat him, v'yisurim, and other kinds of 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 stress. So the point is that Rashi doesn't get this word the Tatiha Elohim the Paro. What can that possibly mean? So he says that the word Elohim has two meanings. One is that it's an alternate name of God, but there's another meaning to that word. And the other meaning is a judge. So the Tatiha a judge le paro, but it doesn't mean only a judge, but the person who meets out punishment. Leparo, that's you. That's your job. The punishment comes from Moshe Rabbeinu. And Aaron will be a prophet. Kitagubo Rashi says, prophet is somebody who is able to translate. Able to translate. That's the word that's used for the person who speaks to the nation and he speaks to them harshly. And this is compared to uh, other uses of the same word. Some other word. It's hard to know exactly what it is that 
Moshe Rabbeinu is going to do and what it is that Aaron is going to do. But according to Rashi, Moshe Rabbeinu is the source of punishment. The Makot really come from Moshe Rabbeinu and and Aaron, Aaron, his job is mituginach. He speaks. He speaks on your on your on your behalf. And for some reason, for some reason, this job that Aaron had is very important. We said we already uh, uh, pointed out that this is a diff, there's a difficulty because uh, why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu do that? I mean, he could also speak in Egyptian. And and so we have to think about it. We have to think about that. Okay? Pasuk bet. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, will speak the words that I will command you to speak. And Aaron will speak to Paro. So I guess who is Moshe Rabbeinu going to speak to? I guess he's going to speak to Aaron. He'll speak, he'll, he'll speak the words and Aaron would hear them and he'll translate them into Egyptian and speak to Paro. And as a result of all this talking and speaking and being and hanging around, Paro is going to comply immediately. That's what God says. Paro will give it immediately and and now why did God say that? I mean, after all, after all, I suppose God knew that it's not going to be that way. It's not going to be that easy, but it's going to take at least 10 makot, 10 different plagues to get the Jews out of the tribe. And even when they get out of the tribe, he's going to come chasing after them. And that's an interesting point that's made here in the Pasuk. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I will harden his heart. Now, what is that all about? Why harden his heart? I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, this is what all the Mephoshim are going to deal, deal with that. He didn't do anything wrong. He, he of course, he punished B'nai Yisrael. He made them into slaves in his kingdom. But that was organized by heaven. It was not Paro's idea. Paro didn't bring Yaakov and his family to Mitzrayim. He did not organize a work schedule for them, which was the same as slavery. He didn't do any of those things. Again, Paro. Then why? Why is God going to harden his heart? Verbeti et ototai et moktai. And there'll be a lot of signs and uh, some more signs. The Eretz, Mitzrayim. There are going to be a lot of makot, a lot of plagues, because I'm going to harden his heart. I mean, this doesn't sound like it's fair. I, I mean, you know, people are punished for what they transgress. Not punished for no, no reason. I never heard that. Eov was going to be the model of Yitziat Mitzrayim, that Paro was going to be punished in spite of the fact that he didn't do anything. I hardened his heart, okay. 
Well, what's that going to do with him? That has to do with, with God. It doesn't have to do with Paro. If Paro is going to be punished, what is he being punished for? What is he being punished for? So Rashi says, Rashi, Rashi says, Atati Daber, we'll learn a little bit, a little bit of Rashi. Ani you see the Rashi starts Ani I will harden his heart, Kodesh Baruch says. Kodesh Baruch says, look again, look again. That's what it says. I will harden his heart. And we know from, from the previous years learning the parasha that this idea of hardening the heart came up again and again. Paro almost let them out, but they didn't. He didn't let them out. Not after the first bucket, or the second bucket, or the third bucket. This doesn't let them out. And every time it says that God hardened his heart, which sounds like it means that he didn't have any, he didn't, it was not a free will decision. It wasn't something that he decided, but it was decided for him. So if it was decided for him by God, it's kind of irrelevant. The guy who so well, what do I need the 10 plagues for? What do I need the suffering of Pharaoh for? What's the point? So Rashi says, by next He was wicked. He spread wickedness. And he took a stand against heaven, against God. It's like God speaking. I see, I know, I understand. That they, the nations who, who are idolatrous, they don't have any pleasure, right? They, they don't really want to do tshuva. That's what his accusation. They, that's really such... So tshuva oriented, I saw tshuva, la shuv. Tov li sheyit kasheli bo, it's better for me, for you, for us, sheyit kasheli bo, that his heart should be hardened. Yikasheli bo, leman harbot bo, ototai, and in order that there should be more and more plagues coming upon him and punishments. And you will be able to see the greatness of heaven. And you'll see, you the plural will see, will recognize. And this is the way it is with God. He will find reason or ways to punish the idolaters. In order that B'nai Yisrael should be able to learn the lesson 
that if you don't do the right thing, you're going to get a severe punishment. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to show them this in, in real time, in real life. So God punishes the Ovdei of the Zara, the idolaters, in order that B'nai Yisrael should learn and, and understand that this is a terrible transgression and that they would stay away from it. Ekarti goyim shamu pinotam. That the uh, okay, that the non-Jews uh, are the ones who teach me this. This is a lesson. So let's just try to get Rashi. Rashi says God wanted to do Bnei Yisrael a favor on the way out of Mitzrayim. And that favor was that they should understand that they should they have to stay away from any form of idolatry. Any form of idolatry would, you know, usurp the whole process and change the course of history and was totally unacceptable to have in order to teach them this, God would punish severely idolaters. So the B'nai Israel would say to themselves, it's the idolatry that brought the punishment on them. And that kind of idolatry, that kind of idolatry, we don't want to be involved with. Right? Amarti, uh, uh, okay, there's an apostle again in Mishlei, Ve'af al And in spite of that fact that I just said, Rashi says, Nevertheless, nevertheless, I have to point out, you know, as Rashi said, even though there is a reason, there's an, an, an understandable reason that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would want to do this, Akshet Leif Paro, and then understand the reason that we should have to be able to benefit from the punishment that the that the the Egyptians are getting, from the punishment that they're getting, and that punishment would be useful for us to, to help us understand how difficult idolatry is in the in the face of heaven, right? In the face of heaven, that's that's uh, that's Rashi. Then Rashi adds, you see here at the, where, where is it? Here at the end. The af af is the last word on the line, which I would just underline. Af al in spite of that, this is what I've just explained. In the first five makot, it doesn't say that God forced paro to be recalcitrant. No. That it just says that Paro's heart hardened. Doesn't say that God hardened his heart. But Paro's heart hardened. That means that Paro on his own for the first five Makot chose to take to to act in a certain way. To act in a certain way. So it's only in the the last, having chosen to do that and apparently denied himself, that's what Rashi also said, denied himself the possibility of doing tshuva, that the last five bakot, HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
took the trouble, took the trouble to to bechazek et libo to harden his heart. So his heart was hardened in order that the punishment should be greater, in order that B'nai Israel should learn the lesson that uh, that idolatry was unacceptable. But that was only in the last five makot. Whereas the first five makot, Carol said, I don't care. I don't care what punishment I get. I, I'm not going to let them go. I'm not going to get them to let them go. And so you have this combination of uh, of two elements, according to Rashi. Combination of two elements. One more pasuk. Et yadi, not one more pasuk. Last pasuk here is. Hey, v'yadu mitzrayim ki ene Hashem, and mitzrayim v'yadu mitzrayim ki ene Hashem. V'netoti. I will reach out, my hand will reach out over Mitzrayim. And I'll take B'nai Israel out of Mitzrayim. So again, this Pasuk, I think, is a very important one. Because it, it kind of indicates to us that there was a failure in the process of Yitziat Mitzrayim, because the Pasuk says clearly, that Mitzrayim has got to learn something. There's something that Mitzrayim has to learn, meaning the one, the one God, the one God who has control over all of the world, right? So that, that's what Mitzrayim should take away from all of this. And you see the word yadi in Rashi at yadi yad mamash lahakot. It doesn't mean that God has an arm. It means that we're talking about a metaphor arm, right? God's power, the power of of God. God certainly doesn't have doesn't have an arm. And that's not what Rashi that's probably not what Rashi thought. Um let's get back to this Pasuk. Pasuk hey, you see Pasuk hey, we do Hashem, Yadi, great power, Al Mitzrayim, So that that worked. In those B'nai Yisrael, there was a lot of power expended against the Mitzrim. B'nai Yisrael left Mitzrayim. But what didn't work? They didn't know. How do I know they didn't know? Because after Makat Bechorot, which sounds like something really awful, after Makat Bechorot, Makat Bechorot, the Jews uh, left Mitzrayim. And shortly thereafter, the Egyptians came chasing after them. And while the Jews seemingly were walking, the Egyptians came with wagons, chariots. I mean, you know, really the kind of thing that you could do, that you go to war with. So that means that after the 10 plagues, the Egyptians didn't get it. They didn't say it must be God, the only God, the true God, the God of the Jews, the God that we should be, 
deferential to. Didn't get it. They said, we're going to stop them. We're not going to let them out. They Okay, they got out of the door, but we could catch them before they get too far. And the only way to stop the Egyptians from chasing after the Jews was to kill them, to kill the Egyptians. So that if there was an educational program in Yitziat Mitzrayim, and if that education, that's how we started to talk about this parasha, that is really the parasha of, of Paro. And if Paro was involved, it could be almost like a chesed, a great blessing to Paro, that HaKadosh Baruch was willing to teach him, to teach Paro that God is God and that he has to act accordingly. But that teaching to Paro didn't work, didn't work. And that may be another reason that God hardened his heart in the last five plagues. Not the first five, but in the last five, his free will was curtailed in the last five. Because he indicated that he was not receptive, he was not responsive. He was able to feel, he was able to figure out that there was something wrong with this process and his place in that process. He's not just Paro, the king of Israel, but he's Paro, the agent of God. He's Paro, the one who organized the Jews of Mitzrayim, who thought that they would be there for 400 years, who didn't understand why they were leaving Egypt after 210 years. And so he was not able, he, Paro, was not able to assume the rule of the role of a student. Let's learn something new. Let's rewrite history in a proper manner. All of that was not possible for Paro. He was simply not able to understand. And because he was able to understand, he lost his position in the process. But in order to lose his position, he had to really do something unacceptable. What he did was, he didn't listen to Moshe and Aaron. Even though Moshe and Aaron, it is clearly stated in the Psukim, that Moshe, uh, Moshe heard the word of God, heard the word of God, and Aaron passed on the word of God to him, it did not have the desired effect. Desired, because that's what it says in the Pasuk. That's what it says in Pasuk A. That's the only thing, the only demand that HaKadosh Baruch had on the process, the only demand that HaKadosh Baruch had on the process of Yitziat Mitzrayim, and that demand was a demand on Paro and the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were supposed to know, the Egyptians were supposed to know that God is God. That's all. 
I mean, that's not all of it. They couldn't do it. They couldn't reach that level of, of understanding. They were simply not able, they were unable to understand. Let's quickly look at a little bit of the Ramban. The famous Ramban talks about some of these issues. Amruba Medrash Rabbah Hilalo Shehu Atid Lechazek Et Libo Bavul Asot Asot Bohadim That somehow in the future Paro would have his heart hardened because he deserved the punishment. Because he made them he made them work really hard. I mean, that the question was, why was Paro punished so severely? After all, he was just doing God's will. And so the answer, the answer is, he went overboard. He, HaKadosh Baruch, he, Paro, went overboard. So Paro is in the story, right? He's on, is in the story, meaning, what I mean to say is, that Paro, Paro's a, like an actor in the story of B'nai Israel. It was when you think about it, when you think about it, it was Paro who invented the 210 years. Paro invented it because HaKadosh Baruch said in the previous parasha, or the Torah says, that God heard their screaming. And they, they couldn't put up with the pressure that Paro exerted upon them. So Paro was the one who, so, and so because they were crying out and screaming and yelling to, to God, so God decided to release them after 210 years. So who created the year, the 210 years? That was Paro. Paro created that. So when Raman says, uh, quotes the Medrash, he says, they, that he made them work hard. Well, that, 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 that's a big deal. It's not just Paro doing something administrative. Paro reordered history. And in order to, to change that, I know that the parish should understand that he doesn't have really, he doesn't really have the power to reorient history. That power belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That power belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and only to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the punishment, and as far as there was a punishment that was given to Paro, that's what the Medrash says and that, rather, that the Ramban quotes. Punishment that was given to Paro, the punishment that he deserved because, because he had uh, uh, been, he, he, he had overwhelmed them with pain and suffering. And because he overwhelmed them with pain and suffering, he had created 210 years, so to speak. <coughs> I mean, Lula the Mustafino, I would say, would say he forced God to take them out of Mitzrayim early. After 210 years, it wasn't stam. It wasn't something that just happened so that Paro deserved to be punished, but Paro's 
own desire to maintain some sort of independence from God, not to give in. It's because he was the one who created the shorter version of exile. He paro. He paro created it so that it was important with Moshe and Aaron to remind power of the fact, as the Medrash says, that he represented Tuba. The, the unclean, the, the person who is denying the authority of God. And so finally, as we understand, it was impossible for Pyro and the Egyptians, the soldiers who came, the chariots, the horses, the wagons, they just couldn't, they couldn't get around it. There's no way that they could understand what their place in history was and who they were, who they were. That's the parish of Aira. Parish of Aira is the parish of Paro. Paro is the one who changed the history of Am Yisrael and changed Akadosh Baruch's original promise to Bnei Yisrael. And therefore, he was not able, even though confronted by Moshe and Aaron, he was not able to sense the secondary nature of his achievement compared to the primary achievement that was going to be done with uh, Matan Torah. And there was no way that he could be educated on this point because he created 210 years. I wish you all a good Shabbos. All the best. Be well.